everybody. I'm Mr. Fig. And I'm Mr. Locke. And this is Fig and Locke Coast to Coast. Welcome back. Uh, it's been a little while since we've uh, talked to everybody. Um, you know, last week, um, uh, my co-host was at a social engagement. And then, honestly, we, there wasn't a ton for us to talk about, um, at least we felt to talk about. So we decided to take the week off. Um, one, so he can enjoy his engagement without feeling rushed. And then, two, just to kind of allow, allow some things to kind of pop up in media for us to comment on uh, for you this week. But before we get started, how you doing today, Mr. Locke? I'm doing all right. Uh, we're just uh, the weather slowly sliding into like normal November weather. Last weekend it was definitely quite warm for November. So um, yeah, doing all right. Wild week. It, he's uh, Mr. Figs. Absolutely right. The previous week news was um, kind of hard to come by, and then sure enough, from Monday throughout the entire week, just news upon news upon news. He had midterm elections. It's happened this past Tuesday. You know, the red wave that every pundit was pretty much saying going to happen did happen. And it's mainly towards the mainly because the voters of um, 18 to 30 year old voters in the United States, um, they really showed out this election, which is new because uh, they usually show up. Um, younger voters tend to come on major elections, presidential election years, not so much in the midterm years. So this kind of a uh, shock to the system to the United States and everybody's kind of like looking around like, wow, that's that's uh, different. Yeah, it's interesting. And I think, too, on top of it, um, you know, the fact that the results of the race, regardless of the fact that, you know, I think the Democrats still hold I think the last news, uh, at least official news source I saw reported that the Democrats took keep control of the Senate and whether or not they can maintain control of the House was still up in the air. Um, so what I thought was interesting about it um, was that, you know, I think uh, you know, Republicans uh, were really trying to hope that the state of the economy was going to push a lot of votes their way. Now, I think because that was kind of the platform they were, they were running on was that, you know, Biden had mismanaged the economy. Um, and then but then, of course, then the Democrats were also were, were were platforming on you know civil uh, civil rights and or not necessarily civil rights but basically um, on the on the abortion issue the fact that you know uh, red states were taking were you know banning abortion and that you know the, the Democrats are trying to protect you know uh, women's personal uh, personal decisions and and right to privacy um, but what I found interesting rights. yeah what I, what I uh, what I found interesting about all of it though is that uh, it, it seems, based on the results, that I think most Americans, regardless of the fact that inflation is high, I would argue probably think the economy is not necessarily a bad place because the fact of the matter is the infrastructure bill has created a lot of jobs. So jobs are available. People are making money. Yes, things are more expensive. But that's also a result of low supply during COVID, um, high demand coming out of COVID, and then also – you know, I know gas prices are high, but, you know, an, an unfortunate circumstance of Russia and Ukraine is that we had to remove Russian oil from the market. Otherwise, we would continue to enable Russia to, you know, to make money to beat up on Ukraine. So and I think a lot of Americans are seeing that and understand that because um, the fact of the matter is, I mean, um, you know, Inflation is an indication of a strong economy. Granted, we don't want it to run away on us, but 
Um, you know, I mean, I'm not really sure what people were expecting. You know, we've enjoyed kind of 20 or two decades of like interest rates at, you know, below 3% um, on a lot of things, you know, because we were all about trying to stimulate the economy, you know, from buying houses to buying cars to, you know, uh, funding capital, you know, so there was a point where all this was going to come to roost at some point, and I think Americans seem to at least have a firm, fairly firm grasp on that. So I'm not. So it looks like the you know this whole message of a failing economy or mismanaging economy um, fell on deaf ears, and I think the abortion issue specifically um, really spoke to a lot, like you know at least seemed to spoke speak to a lot of Americans. Yeah, it did, and the, it's just. I know like the inflation is real and like you said like there is like we're spending more on things but it's not but people are still buying like so like the demand isn't down it's even though it's not it, it, we're in a market we're in a world here that things cost more than we normally would pay for stuff but things are available and we're still buying them I, I'm old enough to remember the recession of 2000, of 2008. You know, I'm old enough to remember that. People weren't going out to eat. If, if, if a recession was real, real, I mean, real, real in the cities, you wouldn't see DoorDash or Uber Eats. Oh, yeah. No, be no way you're paying someone. There's just no way you're paying someone and you're paying fees to get your McDonald's and fries. It's just, just no way. You're going you're to right. make your own trip. I mean, I, you're, I mean, and, and I suspect at some point there a recession will likely follow this, but at at some point. But you, I think you're absolutely right, and that is, despite the fact that inflation is high, people are still spending because they have jobs and they're making money. And, um, you know, I mean, I've seen it doesn't seem to, there's been a major slowdown in in people's ability to purchase the things that they want. You know, I mean, yeah, again. And I think that there there are enough there are enough electric cars out there. There's enough hybrids out there. There's enough mass transit in big cities where people are like, okay, yeah, gas prices are high, but I got a hybrid, so I don't I'm not I'm not paying a ton of money on it. I think the the majority of people who are paying a lot of money for gas are people who are driving big trucks, and those people tend to be of a certain demographic <laughs> so um they, but they also knew what they knew what they knew what they bought they you know what you bought yeah exactly you're buying a car I, that's like 27 miles to the gallon this truck is 27 miles to the gallon you knew why exactly yeah i mean i have a forerunner but i also only i also only drive five minutes to work every day so for me i can make a ga tank of gas last two weeks um so i, I you know I'm, I'm i'm fortunate in that regard but no i 100 percent agree with you like yeah, people are definitely. I'm. Mean, we're still using Uber Eats and DoorDash. Like, <laughs> um, people are still out there buying, and there doesn't seem to be any slow slowdown in that. And then, um, I think at some point supply will eventually catch up, and a recession will likely fall because I think at some point people will start to hold on, save their money. They might be a little more judicious with how they spend at some point if the inflation continues to grow. But, um, I mean, right now it is. It doesn't seem like people are so these. In general, people don't seem to be super dissatisfied with the economy, not enough to really cause this massive sweep for the Republicans, which is kind of a, sh a shock because in the last four presidents, you know, when a president had less than 50% uh, approval rating, the House and the Senate, they, they typically lost control of Congress. So 
it's kind of that's a you know pretty remarkable. Well, some of it's some of the really wacko candidates as well. They had a couple of wacko candidates the Republicans brought brought the rise, you know, and some of these candidates, these hard liner, I'll call them hard liner uh, candidates, they're going against. They weren't going against like progressive Democrats. They were like going against like the moderate Democrats. So it's like you're not going to. That's a hard matchup. You can't have an extreme with the moderate because chances are the moderate voter is going to pick with the moderate person. You know what I mean? You're not having to choose one stream to the next. So it's uh, it's definitely a learning lesson. Both sides um, of the aisle took some L's um, this past election, but uh, it, they got something to work out. It'll be interesting to see what these next couple of months will look like, especially January, because um, I, I don't know. Early prediction is I don't think Joe Biden is going to run again. I mean, he's about to be 80. It's time to uh, he'll be 82. Uh, like 82, he's gonna get, get elected again. If he goes, like, if he goes through Ashley for election, be 82 again. No one wants an 82 year old president. You know what I mean? Even he wouldn't want one. Yeah, I think uh, I, w- I would like to think. I mean, I, obviously, I've I'm not, I don't work in the White House, so I don't know what conversations you're having. I would like to think though that he is having very real conversations with his family and his doctor and the folks around him. I mean, I I I, I continue to let. I mean, I voted for Joe Biden. That's not a secret. Um, and I continue to like Joe Biden, um, you know, d- despite you know what his approval rating is. Or I, I, I tend to think that he has been good, at least from a sense of trying to bring the, the pendulum back to the center. I think he's done a fairly decent job with that. Uh, I'm sure there's someone out there that can tell me something different, uh, or can argue it differently. But I think he, I would, I assume, I'm assuming that there are some very real conversations about whether or not he's in the right place to run or to lead the country for another four years um i don't i wouldn't think so um and but the question then becomes who who is going to be the democratic nominee right um and who does he put throw his weight his support behind so that i think will be interesting to see uh as uh for the next because the next two years as that election approaches there's going to have to be some kind of indicators or you know, or at least people are going to be looking for indicators for who he would throw his support behind. There's been a lot of discussion about maybe it's going to be um, Buttigieg, 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 I can never say his name right. Um, Buttigieg, Buttigieg. Yeah, Pete Buttigieg. Um, and then, um, of course, there's been it's no secret that there has been some contention between him and Kamala Harris. So, uh, I mean, she would be the logical choice then since then she was his running mate. But given the fact that he's kind of distanced her from a lot of the bigger issues, I don't know. Um, it'll be interesting to see um, who he would throw his support behind uh, in a uh, Democratic uh, primary. Yeah, absolutely. It, it'd be hard to tell because he you don't see enough of her. And it's kind of like um, it has that um, Veep. It feels like Veep all over again. Um what a great show on HBO! Just, <laughs> I never actually saw, but I heard good things. Oh, you need to get on that, man! Um, it's absolutely hilarious. But she is non-existent. You never see the president when she's vice president, and it's kind of an ongoing joke. She's like, uh, "Is the president in?" He's like, "No, he's not." It's like, "All right, the president's never there," and she's left all the bitch jobs, so she fucking hates it. You know what I mean? But I mean, yeah, there have to be. I think the Democrats. The, they would have to look the usual pile 
of people that want to be presidents. I mean, it sounds bad to say this, but just don't. I mean, it just just don't. It needs yeah, to I be think... like a new. It needs to be a new batch. It has to be kind of you. If it has to be a new batch, you have to think younger and go from there. Uh, some people are talking about the new mayor, not the new mayor, the new governor of Maryland. Um, he's got elected. And he said he's a rising star. You know that type of like you want something like that. Um, you know, but yeah, you don't want somebody with like with the past that they could just drum up and take down. And I think it almost goes the same for the Republican Party itself because, well, um, we're supposedly going to find out this Tuesday when um, number 45 is going to run again. Apparently, he almost declared. Yeah, he almost declared um, a couple weeks ago, right before the midterms. And I know that the the Republicans are pretty happy that he didn't because they didn't want to distract from the midterm elections. But apparently he was very close um, in declaring. Uh, I don't know. It's going to be an interesting race because um, I think the, uh, it's gonna... the Republicans know what this now. The Republicans now know what they're going to get with Donald Trump. Um, and I, I heard an interesting quote. I can't remember where it came from, but uh, it was, I think it was on one of the morning talk shows on uh, maybe meet the press, but they made the point that look, um, Trump is already and Trump ran again, you know, obviously as as you know, uh back in 20 um 2020 he lost. Uh so, you know, Repub- it's clear it's pretty clear that Republicans don't really want Republicans nor independents want him to be president, right? Like true blue Republicans might want him, but that's not going to be those aren't where the votes are going to come from. The votes are going to come from independent and moderate voters, the swing voters, and the swing voters have already said that they don't want him, right? So the Republicans have to find somebody that can that can you know be that are conservative enough to hold on that can care to carry the true blue, or the uh, Republicans, but also uh, is moderate enough to bring to bring the swing voters their direction. So uh, I don't think it's going to be uh, a Trump. It's not going to be. I don't think it's going to be Trump, or it's going to be a Trump acolyte. It's going to have to be some, some something new. I know um, you know Ron DeSantis. His name gets thrown around a lot as potential candidate, and then uh, the governor of Texas, who I can't remember right now. Um, but yeah, I got the right but the same also goes for the Democrats. Like the Democrats, you know, if anything, twenty twenty demonstrated to us, and the you know, especially during the primaries, that uh, again, swing voters, independent voters, don't want a super progressive either. They don't want a Bernie Sanders. They don't want um, what's her face that ran. Elizabeth, Elizabeth yeah, they don't Warren. want an Elizabeth Warren. They want again. They want someone that you know is. You know, slightly progressive. You know, cares about climate change and cares about civic and social issues, but they also don't want somebody that's going to, you know, run away with spending, and someone that is going to like start shutting down coal plants and putting people out of work. So it's, you know, uh, so your 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 you know, Ocasio Cortezes aren't going to be a good, or what probably wouldn't be a very good candidate. It has to be someone new. Um, there's that uh, uh, Democrat from Texas. Um, Beto O'Rourke, Beto. yeah, people, you know, uh, you know, Democrats seem to like him. You know, he might be, a, 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 but he again, he didn't make it very far in the primaries either, so it's hard to say. Beto was tough because, like, Beto's a tough candidate because he lost to Ted Cruz, and he's lost now to the other guy running for governor. So it's like he's lost back to back. So I mean, it, I don't know history of people that lose lose upwards, but I mean. Beto lost 
Hey, man. Governor race in Texas by Abraham like Lincoln points. lost Abraham Lincoln lost every race up until the presidency. So huh. who's fighting vampires? So I mean, we can't do. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? We can't do about that. But I mean, at the my my last piece on that on this is like the Republican Party's got deeper soul searching. The do they, like they don't got a big soul searching to do with this. The problem is they have a they have a problem that they created. And now they can't kill it. They can't kill it because uh, I just feel that it, if the Republican Party's smart, they need to who's ever in charge, whoever like the pseudo leader in the background, the man with the power, needs to tell Ron DeSantis to chill and be like, "Look, man, don't run for president. Just be governor, and we'll see you in six years." Then, because he's forty-four, so. If he to challenge, if he says he's running for presidency, Trump's Trump's going to destroy him. Trump has the the QAnon people. He has the I mean, yeah, the true the true red Republican voters will vote for Ron because they want to win. But the Republican Party also got the QAnon people that are acolytes. I mean, and they flat again, out they believe in him. Again, like yeah, there's a very good chance that Trump could carry the primary. And be the candidate, but I don't think he'll win the election. Because again, right. he will voter, not. He will not win the election. You're right. And I think the Republicans, especially your, your, your the Republican leadership, um, you know, your your um, oh geez, I can't think of the Senate minority leader, Mitch McConnell. Your Mitch McConnells. Yeah, Mitch McConnell. You yeah. know, you know they understand your Kevin McCarthy's. You know they understand that, um, you know, Trump is not the future. Of the Republican Party because he can't carry independent swing voters anymore, so they have to find someone new, um, regardless of the fact that he yeah he had, Trump has a very strong base, and you know given the events of the last you know two three years you know the Republicans are really trying at least um, mainstream Republicans seem to try and be trying to distance themselves from you know from that, but unfortunately you still got your Marjorie Taylor Greens out there and you got your um. That are you know they because their district is you know super ultra conservative yeah. are going to continue to be pulled into it yeah yeah um but, but I mean it, but Democrats have the same challenges Democrats also have the same challenges what's that he's going to have to lose twice because there's no way because think about it, this is worst case scenario so worst case scenario is that for the Republican Party is for them to boost Ron sets up or even like a uh, Youngkin right. Because they're like, all right, Youngkin might probably could do it, right? So you promote one of these two guys up that y'all confidence in. Into like, put him in there, y'all put everybody, you put all your forces behind him. Trump, of course, is not going to bow down. So he's fighting for it too. And then all of a sudden, let's say the Youngkin gets the nomination, right? Or or um, DeSantis gets it, right? Well, do you think Trump's going to be like, okay, oh well. Or he's going to be like this, no, vote for me anyway. I got to get presidency. I mean, and he here's the situation. To get on there, so then he'll split the vote. Well, hey, it's happened before, right? Teddy Roosevelt split you know? the party. Um, I, I really thought that was going to happen the first time around because I really didn't think Republicans were going to back Trump in the first the first go, but they did. Stranger things have happened, so it'll be interesting. Uh, the next two years are going to be interesting to see how things unfold and and the and the primary races shape out for twenty twenty four. Um. All I can say is brace yourselves. <laughs> brace yourselves yeah. for an interesting yeah. two years. 
Um, all right. So yeah. So that ha- so obviously the midterms happened this week. Um, moving on to a little something a little more fun. Uh, you know, Wakanda Forever dropped this week on Friday. Uh, Mr. Locke and I both have seen it, so we are going to take a few moments to, to just kind of talk about it and uh, share our thoughts. Um, that being said, I'll let you start since you just it's more in, in your most recent memory. So I'll let you start and kick off what your thoughts were on Wakanda Forever. Yeah, I saw this movie uh, this afternoon with my stepson. Um, I give it out of five. I'm giving it three and a half out of five. Um, it's it's all right. It, it's not the same um, same feelings from the first one. Um, it's definitely a lot of uh, remembering. A lot of uh, it, it just didn't hit the same way. Um, the you know Chichala's sister. You know, she's not a leader like T'Challa is. So there's a lot of, um, in that film, it just, it wants to do something. And it wants to make you feel some sort of way. And it just, it missed a mark for me on that. Um, you know, the, the, the fight scenes were decent. They didn't, uh, there was no moment. I'm watching fight scenes, I'm like, wow, amazing. Um, maybe a little bit at the beginning, but I mean, Towards the end fight scene, all that stuff was kind of like, okay. Yeah, I mean, we're just going through the motions here, Disney things. Um, so it didn't really give me anything on that. Um, ending is kind of a it's standard issue ending. Standard issue, nothing crazy there. Um, yeah, it didn't really give me much to say like, yeah, I want to go see whatever next film or whatever they're going to do here. Um, they had a couple of uh, interesting ideas they portrayed in that film as well. A um, couple of um, funny parts sprinkled in there, um, not not tear down laughter, but like okay, it's kind of funny. Um, try to explain certain things or like that. So I mean, it, it's all right. It's no masterpiece, um, but as uh, of the last couple Marvel films, I wouldn't say it's one of the best Marvel films I've seen in the last couple last six months either. Though, so I mean, it's three out of five, it's three three and a half out of five for me. Three and a half. It's it's a moderate film. Okay. Um, well, I, I'm going to, I don't know. I'm going to disagree with you, uh, on a lot on this. Cause I don't, I mean, it's not a perfect movie. Um, but I, I thought it was for me at any rate, I thought it was a very emotional movie and I thought there was a lot of themes in it that were, that were just really well done. So obviously, you know, no secret Chapman Bozeman is passed and you know, I was, I was very excited to see how they were going to, what they're going to do to basically write him out of the universe and I thought that they treated that with absolute, like absolute perfection and reverence. You know, opening up the scene or the movie um, with you know Suri spoilers trying to save her brother um, is was really well done. And the fact, and it, it, obviously she's going to carry the weight of that throughout the entire film. And just her whole arc going from you know. It was interesting if you, you know going back if you know watching black the first Black Panther and you see Suri she's a comic relief, you know um, she's obviously always smiling and up until the point obviously where her brother gets overthrown by Killmonger but you know she is she is a point of welcome levity in that first film and then in this film like there's none of that for her I mean she her whole arc is just her coming back out of or 
climbing herself slowly back into the light after having her world completely destroyed between losing her brother, who obviously she's very close with, um, and that is reflected in the first Black Panther film, um, and then having her lose, again, spoilers, one, two, three, losing her mom, um, and it's just her whole life is just being turned upside down and destroyed piece by piece, and you know, rightfully, she is angry, and she is upset, and she even says, like, I want to burn the entire world, and then for her, again, spoilers, one, two, three, uh, when she becomes the Black Panther, and she goes to the ancestral plane, and who's waiting for her, but Killmonger is there, which I thought that was a really powerful scene when he's basically telling her, he's basically saying to her, like, you're me. Like, you want revenge. You're not, you're not, you're not your brother. You're not here to do the noble thing or the right thing. You are here to get this power and use it to get revenge for what the world has taken from you. And I thought that was really a really powerful scene between the two of them. And then, hold on really quick. Alex, Stop jumping around, please. Um, so that was like a really, just a really powerful scene, powerful moment. And then seeing her, you know, come around in the end, you know, finally her, you know, again, her mother revealing to herself saying like, show them who you are, you know, that, so that whole arc for her character was just really well done throughout the entire movie. Um, and then coming to the, to the name, the name war piece, you know, I mean, I love the fact that, again, like the first movie where you come to empathize with Killmonger and why he does what he does, for them to bring this around and make you empathize with Namor, like showing him this like this world that they've created where they live in absolute peace and there are like they've like they have no they have no fear of of external danger, right? Like you know, him seeing firsthand the result of the conquistadors in the Yucatan Peninsula slaughtering the people and having and, and being able to take retribution on that and having to, and carrying that with him and now it's like, okay, now that danger's on our doorstep underwater. Like I will do whatever it takes to keep that from happening. Um and then the other the last thing I'll say about it, the theme of the movie was I loved that the movie opens with um, you know, the French and the United the France and the United States, like, you know, poking Wakanda in the chest about their lack of, you know, participation and their lack of wanting to share technology. Meanwhile, you've got the French who, you know, if you if, if it's no secret throughout history have exploited the African continent coming through and, and, you know, hiring mercenaries to try to take spoilers, one, two, three, trying to take vibranium by force. You know, and kind of demonstrating to the world that, hey, like old school colonialism and old school, like, you know, thinking about how we treat these nations, is it doesn't, hasn't gone away. And we can take it away. We, we can take it from them because we don't think of you as our peer um, was, was huge. So, and then to see these two civilizations, the flip side, one is the flip side for the other. And they're both, the you know, the, the successful versions of like what could have been, what Africa could have been or what central and South America could have been right in absence of colonialism. 
to see them pitted against each other because one nation is willing to defend the world despite what it has done to it, and the other is like wants to burn it down. The, all those themes and all that being written and put like yeah, there there wasn't a ton of action, you know, like, but the conversations and the drama, like that meeting between Suri and Namor in the caverns, like that conversation is just ripe with tension. So, I mean, I get it. Like, you know, I mean, I can see why you would feel the way you do about it, but I just thought from a, from a writing standpoint, from a, from, it's just a good film. Like it's a good Marvel film, but it's just a good film. Um, you know, it's, it's light for action for a superhero movie, but at the same time, like where it makes up for it is just the, the, is the emotional and, uh, tension between the characters on screen. So I, I love, I love the movie. I think the movie, like, I think, I think on Rotten Tomatoes, it's like 84%, but I would have even gone a little higher, but I loved it. I thought it was great. Um, 84 is about right for this film. Um, uh, Ripe with tension, that conversation inside the cave. I don't know that, but I mean, um, they weren't, you know, dropping some major acting bombs in that scenario. It was just, it just seemed what? And like, even like, even even like, you got like the like the end fight, right? So spoilers, right? Watch out, Namor fights against the Black Panther, and in the end, shocker. So they're fighting, oh, and that fight itself was kind of like, all right, well. What's Emily Power from those kind of flee how the fight actually went down, you know what I mean? And it's just like him looks like yielding. They're like eventually essentially just yield. So there nothing comes of this at the end. Like what was the what was the cost? He just has them lay deck. They they succeed to not like Wakanda is stronger power than they are, which they all they always have been. And he's like thinking of like, well, we could use this now since we're allies with them. It's it's gonna be good for us. Well, fine, Neymar, I hear you. But at the same time, he had he had her dead to rights, and I'm not sure how she even survived it really. Um because because she kind of slides off the little pool there with no blood. I was like, yo. She got speared through how, you know, she got speared through and she like just that suit either in some new technology to keep make sure they don't die in that suit or something. I don't know. Um, but it had a trying to, you know, I, I like the homegirl Lupe, Lupe in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, I forgot her, her actual character name, but the, that's the actress name. Um, I think she did a really great job. Um, you know, she's a very pretty woman. Uh, very pretty and like she does a good job um acting she has you know i mean she fits her role and what she's trying to do um the guy that was the that fought black panther in the first film he's like was mountain tribe you know they live in the mountains in the cold oh, mountains the tribe yeah um yeah yeah forgot his name i mean he did a really good job too Umbaku. Uh, Bassett did a good yeah. job yeah umbaku um, is his character's name? I can't. I don't know his real name. Dude, Angela Bassett was on yeah. fire this movie, dude. Like her pre, like all her on-screen presence was was amazing. Like every time she was on screen, she just dominated. That scene in the when they're in the UN and you know they bring UN, in the yeah. mercenaries, like you know, it was just like super powerful. And then there's that scene between her and the general Okoye 
where she talks about I've sacrificed everything. Like, I mean, you could have heard a pin drop in the theater at the end of that because it was just her performance was on fire, dude. Um, probably one of her best performances since anything she's done in the, like the '90s, you know. But I, she was solid through and through. Yeah, definitely. I I feel that like she had a very strong role, man. No hate on that. Angela Bassett did a really good job. She did a really good job with that. So, yeah. But I said it's just um the end fight, the end the like the end fight scene wasn't that big to me. It was kind of as a like you said for a Marvel film, it lacked fighting. But even like there's a formula to these like Marvel films, the big set piece ending at the end. Give me something that's like you know a good fight at the end. It the fight wasn't that good. It just wasn't. What's interesting about so obviously the last superhero film I saw was Black Adam, and everyone knows my my opinion on that. I shared it already. But what I think is interesting, having watched these two films, um, you know, Black Adam went heavy on the action, right? Like it is a Black Adam is a balls to the wall like action film. It's a guy movie. It is the kind of movie where you you have a Saturday afternoon, nothing to do. You throw on Black Adam and you just watch dudes get the crap beat out of them. Um, this, Wakanda Forever is a is a so for a Marvel film, for a superhero film, it's a it's a thinking person. I think, in my opinion, it's a thinking person's movie because you really got to start. You really think about like, you know, uh, it makes you think about the state of affairs, like. Um, uh, of Wakanda and how they're going to get back on their feet. It's, you know, you know, f- for a country that is, a, is kind of alone and has their back against the wall. Why wouldn't you want to welcome this other, why wouldn't you want to become strong allies and friends for the, for what, for one person, right? Like it's, but it's, it's just, I don't know. It's definitely where it's Wakanda forever is a, is a drama, is a dramatic film. It is a drama film. It's less sci-fi fantasy. It's less superhero film and it is a drama film. Whereas, so, you know, but it, and it's light on the action. Whereas Black Adam, of course, is light on story and light on drama and light on writing. So it's, it's you know, it's it's interesting to see, like, one movie be so, like, action-packed and the other being light on action but very packed with story. So, yeah, at any rate. Yeah, I mean, I would still say that. <clears throat> I would still recommend it. If, you know, you're like, all right, you're, especially if you're a Marvel fan, recommend it i wouldn't tell nobody to go away from it you're into comic books and um, comics and stuff like that superhero stuff watch it you know give it a watch so at least you know what's going on and keep what's going on with the whole uh canon of what marvel's doing with this world because you could tell there's you know we're entering the new as we're going in 2023 who knows what storylines gonna look like and what the world's gonna be looking like so and what might be continuing on so you want to keep up with it just to make sure you're in the know. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would definitely recommend this film, obviously, based on what I, what I said about it. But um, I would even try to – I was trying to think in my head where I would place it, you know, as far as – where I would rank it in as far as my, my top Marvel films. And I, I think it's it's up there. I think Of it's, all time? I think of, of all the of – of all the – we had like now 22, 23 Marvel films that are out there. I think it would be – it would be up there. I'm not saying it's in the top five, but it's probably it's not top five. No, it's it not might... worth. It's, if it's not top ten, it's not worth your time, sir. No, no, it's. I think it's well, definitely. Not, it's not it worth. Might, it's, it might actually it's, be. It's, it's worth your time, but it's not. This is not worth the conversation because this is not a top ten film. I think it might actually be top ten for me. 
it cannot it is definitely not a top 10 marvel film i mean what i i get i mean well we can talk about that another time because about what our top 10 marvel films are but i think it i mean the thing, i'm talking i'm talking strictly mcu i'm not talking about right. anything that sony's done prior to this or any of the fox stuff i'm talking like strictly the mcu going i mean going through my my rolodex of marvel films it might squeak in the top 10. I'd have to I'd have to sit down and write them all out, but it might actually squeak, squeak out in the top 10. Man, that's tough. That's that's a that's that's a that's a very bold statement. Take it at there's like at least um you, you got you got at least about 8 Spider-Mans, 9 Spider-Mans. No, eight again, Spider-Mans. That, yeah, no, yeah, no eight there's Spider-Mans. not 8 Spider-Mans. There's three Spider-Mans in the MCU universe. Again, I'm not talking about what Sony did prior to to the MCU. I'm not talking about what Fox has done. I'm talking strictly MCU. Like all right. So, so I think strictly MCU speaking, the, it's probably three, in my top films, three, four films. You have how many Captain America how many, how many, how many Captain America films? Like yeah, but two, only there's three? so there's three Captain American films and I mean I like First Avenger, but honestly the only two good ones are Winter Soldier and then um and what's the uh, I guess the third cap and then Civil War. I mean, yeah. those. I mean, those are the my two favorite Captain America films. So yeah, I, I mean, Avengers. Avengers. So Avengers one, I like it, but honestly, the best of. I mean, the, honestly, the best Avengers films are Infinity War and Endgame. So like, I mean, I like I like Avengers and I like Avengers: Age of Ultron, but I mean, uh, Infinity War and Endgame are the two best Avengers films. Um, so the best the best Thor film is still uh, Ragnarok. I mean, the first two I like them, but I like. I, but if I were to sit here probably right now and like go down the list, I guess like I, I think this squeaks into my top ten. Hmm. Maybe, 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 maybe. Interesting. It'd be interesting, but it probably can. But it probably could. But it's it's that says a lot though. I mean, Spider Man is probably takes up a. You know, definitely has a firm three spots in the top ten because all, all three Spider-Man movies are gold. Um, and then obviously Infinity War and um, Endgame are in there, so that takes me to five right there. Um, the first Black Panther is definitely in, in there, number six. Civil War uh, is in there, and so is Winter Soldier. That takes me to eight. So there's two more spots. So uh, the first Black Panther is like easy top two. It's a top two yeah. film though. Um, gla- so uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Galaxy. I mean, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy number one is in there. Yeah. So, so that leaves one more spot. Oh, well, maybe you're right. Maybe this doesn't make it into my top ten. But it's pretty darn close. Pretty close. It's pretty darn close. Because I wanted to think as a top ten films, like watching it. I never got that feeling watching it. Like this is top ten. Like I would, I would say that uh, Doctor Strange, the Madness film, like his least recent one, was better. I liked it more than I liked this. I think so. Multi, so Multiverse of Madness has a lot of spectacle and does a lot of fun things. I don't know if the story is as strong though as this one. I think I think the story on this one is way. Well, of stronger. course, I mean I think the. I, well, I think the story on this one has is has it's like an onion has lots of layers to it, or it's multiverse of madness did not. It's, it's pretty. This is it, and then boom. 
Which this is also it. Multiverse of Madness is also another one of those situ is another one of those stories where it's like I gotta keep this child alive, right? That's what this is too. It's I gotta keep this child alive. You know, when am I what am I willing to what am I willing to risk, you know, to ensure that you know we keep this person alive, right? That's really what this is about. Um, and it's the same thing with Multiverse of Madness. What to what lengths will 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 Doctor Strange go to keep this girl alive? And keep her from Wanda, or at what point, you know, and and or will he, will he give into his, give into uh, himself and sacrifice her for a greater good, right? That's, that's that's actually the story for both of these films to a degree. Um, but I think, I think this movie, Wakanda Forever, does a better job telling that story than I think uh, Multiverse of Madness does. But hmm. I don't know. That's a that's a longer podcast because I could sit here and debate yeah. the virtues of all the Marvel films. It's funny because I recently, over the summer, on a sheer board of my watch, like once a week, I watched a Marvel film. So I'm caught. To, I've gone back and I've watched all of them again from from by based on release date. I went and watched all of them again. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Okay. You know. Um, Another thing um, we noticed here in the last two weeks is that as soon as things, as soon as Halloween is over, Christmas music happens. It's Christmas everything. Yeah, it you was an uh, interesting segue. Um, yeah, uh, you know, it's funny. We were when we were talking last week about topics to potentially discuss. I was gonna. I one of the topics I was thinking about was the war on Thanksgiving. And when I went and Googled that, phrase, when I went and Googled that phrase, I didn't realize that that is a that's a a phrase coined by the alt right because of the changing narrative related to Thanksgiving and uh, how it you know a lot of conservatives are not happy with it. So I walked back from that I walked back from that title or from that talking point. <laughs> um, but I will say it does seem a lot to your point. I think it does seem a lot like um, Thanksgiving is slowly being removed from the holiday season. It seems less and less like, and I don't know if that's because maybe it is because, you know, because of the, you know, as you know, history is starting to catch up and people are beginning to realize that the roots of Thanksgiving aren't necessarily as pure and as good as, as they were told, led to believe as children. So I don't know if that has anything to do with it or it's just all about retail and trying to sell more stuff um, over the course of two months as opposed to inside of one month. But yeah, it does seem like I remember I went into target. It was hilarious. I went to target um, to get on like a, like a front Friday or Saturday to get something and everything was still like Halloween and fall. And then on Halloween day, I had to go no, not Halloween day. On Sunday, I had to go back to Target to get some candles for our jack o' lantern, and um, everything was like being taken down. Like all the Halloween fall stuff was like in a small, like like maybe a couple displays in the front just to get rid of it, and then like but everything being in the back where the costumes were was being torn down. There was no like Thanksgiving imagery anywhere. No fall Thanksgiving imagery on anything. It was all Christmas. Like the Christmas lights were going up, the Christmas decorations were going up, all the Christmas uh, merchandise was coming out, and I, it, I couldn't believe 
how we just completely skipped over the fact that there is another holiday and a whole other month of fall in there before we even get to Christmas. It's just, it's just wild, man. And you just, it's like, I, I want to believe that it got ruined by, not so much by people realizing that what Christopher Columbus truly is and who he truly is and what he truly has done. I have a hard time believing that's the reason why it the holiday itself has gone down because in a black community, we can care less about you, Christopher Columbus. Um, I think black people and most people tend to look at uh, Thanksgiving as a time for family coming together and and having a good meal and being thankful. Um, but I think what led to a lot of death is definitely retail because retail companies, there was a time there was no, nothing open on Thanksgiving. Just zero. It is gas stations, <laughs> some oddball quickie marts. That is it. Um, I've had a Thanksgiving where I was invited um, to eat at somebody's house one Thanksgiving and they cooked. Their food was terrible. And when I left, I had to go to Wawa to get an actual Thanksgiving dinner because my meal was terrible that day. But I think, but it's just most of it's just, it's just retail. You sit there. You have places like some places like Walmart that don't close at all. You have places like Target that opens at four o'clock in the afternoon. And it's like doorbusters, people lining outside. Gone are the days where people used to stay sleep overnight in the parking lot and then get in at six o'clock in the morning to go shopping. Now you go shopping at four o'clock in the afternoon when the Packers, when the Lions are playing the Packers. You know, something yeah. like that. So it's. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think retail has a lot to do with it. And it's a shame, really, because, you know, I have a lot of fond memories of Thanksgiving growing up. You know, Thanksgiving, like you said, Thanksgiving is a day for about family coming over and sharing a meal. And, you know, I can remember, you know, uh, early on, uh, my dad would always invite some of the sailors to come, you know, and participate in Thanksgiving. There was one guy in particular, his name was Gwen. He was um, uh, he was from the Philippines and then joined the Navy and he didn't know anybody, so like my dad would always, you know, because my dad had a very similar story, you know, uh, when he came for when he came to the United States in the Navy. So he would always invite one over for Thanksgiving, or uh, you know, we'd have family down or whatever. Um, and then, you know, I can remember, you know, our I think of like our high school days, right? Remember we do like the basically the round robin of like Thanksgivings. It was always like people houses, yeah. Yeah, we were just like it was like Darren's house and your house and the hills and like you know, the, the the Drakes, and, like, we would just go around and hit everyone's house and eat multiple Thanksgiving meals. I remember it was, like, you know, uh, by the end of the day, like, you could not eat any more food because of the fact you ate, like, five Thanksgiving meals in the course of, like, three hours, you know. Oh, and don't forget, you just, you are you still had your own Thanksgiving meal with your own family before that, that right. even occurred. Right, exactly that, yeah. Yeah. And then you, we would end the, I think the other thing that was open on Thanksgiving, I think the movie theaters were open. Cause I think I remember we would go do like, we'd all do hit all the round robins for food. And then somehow we'd end up at, at the movie theater for like a movie or something, but that was it. Like that was all there was. Um, and, uh, you know, you didn't worry about like, you didn't have to worry about anyone working that day because like you said, all the retail stores were closed. I mean, Friday, like, you know, you, there was still like, black friday but the store is still opened at like 10 so like the earliest you can get to the store was 10 o'clock the next day whereas you know then you know when and a lot of this is because of the recession in the 2000s where retailers were doing anything they could to get people inside the door is when you start getting like the doorbuster deals and 
you know, line, like, you know, we're going to open at 6 a.m. and the first, you know, 20 people in the door get free televisions. Like, it was just stuff like that that just made people line up at, you know, at the stores the first thing in the morning. Um, but it is, it's kind of tragic that we kind of overlook Thanksgiving these days. I mean, I don't, well, maybe overlook's a strong term. You know, I mean, colleges are obviously still out for Thanksgiving, so kids are still coming home for Thanksgiving meals and, uh, you know, schools obviously still take Thanksgiving off and people still get Thanksgiving off from work, but it just seems like, you know, the ex- there's no, the excitement I felt for Thanksgiving doesn't seem to be there anymore. You know, I mean, you know, I know, granted you can eat turkey any day, any day of the year, I suppose, but it just seemed like that was the day. Like everyone, like, you know, the, 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 people were, you just, it just seemed like we were, people were more excited for like Thanksgiving day and the, in the food and the football and everything. And I just, I don't feel like that's prevalent today. Like it used to be. Yeah. It's definitely lost a lot of its allure. I'm still, I'm still excited for Thanksgiving. I, you know, I have my Thanksgiving with my new family and stuff like that. I, I'm excited for it. It's, it's cool to do. I mean, enjoy your family, good food, good friends, stuff like that. Um, but it, it definitely lost its luster, I guess. It's just because I feel bad knowing that there's other people in other places. They're working. And not just like a special few. I've been a person. I've, I used to work sometimes on Thanksgiving. A couple of years of my life, I've had to work Thanksgiving on my... And it's like, it's uh, it's different when you're actually off of Thanksgiving because you're like, man, I can actually spend time with people. Other than like, I have to work today. It's another work day. And it's... uh. It's definitely something. So, I mean, I think United, the United States, I can't speak for the rest of the world because I don't know, but the United States, they've lost their way with their greed of pretty much making people work on Thanksgiving because you want to get these sales. You know, there's not, especially in this day and age where you could buy a good deal on a phone, you could pick your phone up and find a good deal. You know, it's it's not like what it used to be, like Cyber Mondays, Used to be like yo now it's like Cyber Weekend now, you know they just they just trying to find every way to get your money. They're like your money's gonna be gone. I have to your money in your. I'm trying to claim it, so I need the the fastest, the earliest sale possible to make you jump on it, so you're not spending your money somewhere else. I, I tell you, I'm still surprised that retail is surviving. I really thought COVID was going to kill retail because people began to realize that. They didn't need to go to the store to get what they needed anymore. They could, or I mean, order on Amazon, or order direct from the company, or whatever. Like, COVID made shopping available to people from their homes. So I really thought like retail was going to be dead. And the fact that malls are still open and retail stores are still a thing, and you know, I mean, places like J.C. Penney's and Macy's and Bloomingdale's, all these places still exist. I mean, it, it, it surprises me. And don't get me wrong. I can see why, because I, I like going to the mall. Like, if I have a day off here and I got nothing else to do, if I'm, you know, don't feel like, you know, getting sand all over my car at the beach, I'll pop over to Alamoana Center and walk the mall and just be like, it's just fun to be there and people watch and enjoy the food court and, you know, do all the things that malls do. But I really thought COVID was going to kill the retail industry, and the fact that it has survived is it's kind of a testament to how big retail is. Uh, and the, its ability to lure customers in back in the door again. Um, 
I never, I mean, and, and also a testament to the fact that people don't want to sit in their houses and shop online all day. Like they really do want to be out and because shopping at the mall and shop and, and, and retail is a social experience, whether you like, and it could be a negative social experience. It could be a positive social experience. But the fact of the matter is, you know, people like to go to the mall. They like to shop together. They like the window shop together. They like to get each other's opinions on things. Um, and you can't do those when you're shopping from home on the computer. You know, you can't, you know, bring your best friend with you to go like, hey, man, I got to go prep for a date tonight. I want you to go help me out. What do you think? Like, you don't have that when you're shopping on Amazon. So uh, the fact that retail is still around and kicking, I think, is a testament to how big it is and how much of it, how ingrained it is in our culture. But to your point, you know, it's all greed driven. And it's sad that we make people work on, on a, on a, over a weekend or on a day where it is about like family and giving thanks and being thankful for the things that you have. And, and you don't even have a opportunity to really reflect on those things because it's like, I remember when my mom worked for target. I remember it was like, all right, you gotta have Thanksgiving by one or two o'clock because my mom's going to rush off to work at four in the afternoon. Like, it's like, how do you even enjoy Thanksgiving? How do you even enjoy being with your family when like you're, you're, you're up against the clock to be at your job by a certain point? Like it's, it's unfortunate, you know? Yeah. Yeah, All right, it um, is. And I mean, that's, that's where we live in, unfortunately, you know? So I would, you know? Yeah. Well, speaking of the world we live in, um, I think the last topic we want to talk about, um, again, was born out of some things that, some, some reporting that came out this week, and that's related to social media and just basically the, the value of your hate. Um, Mr. Locke and I were talking before the podcast here about some, you know, about, you know, cancel culture and, you know, some events that came out on social media this week and, and that kind of prompted a discussion, you know, so this on, you know, so early on Monday, I was listening to the 60 minutes podcast and they were talking about the impacts of social media on our culture and the fact that, and this is not a secret, there's documentaries about this stuff. So this is nothing new. I think we've even touched on it before, but the fact that social media really capitalizes on your hate you know the fact that they've designed algorithms to present you with hateful material because they know you'll absorb it and look at it because it buys them more ad opportunity ad space you know the the more time you stare at something you don't like the more ad time they can they can um invent or they can purchase or sell um you know and, and it's tragic that you know, you don't get the same, you can't have, you can't make the same amount of money off of positive social media or truthful social media, but the more outrageous, the more hateful, and even in, in some cases, the more dishonest it is, it produces a lot more ad space for these social media companies um, to the point where it actually has impacted how we discuss certain topics. It impacts how we have discussions on, um, critical issues um so and it also results in a lot of cancel culture so some things we were kind of talking about here was you know um you know dave Chappelle, you know right like he got hit pretty hard by cancel culture and you know uh given what he had said on some of his specials kanye west obviously is being canceled because of things that he said you know right or wrong or indifferent i'm not here to defend what he said um and then also, I was reading today, you know, uh, there was a, a, pr- uh, 
principal in Texas, a black principal in Texas who was getting canceled because uh, he was being accused of uh, supporting critical race theory in school. Um, and all of this was being fed, and all of this is fed by social media, Twitter, Facebook, you know, TikTok, whatever. You know, um, the 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 news articles and were that were being that were shaping people's opinions were being fed to them by social media. So with that, I guess you know, I, and I've, I've done a lot of talking. What are your thoughts? Like, where do you sit on the on the culture of hate or the monetization of hate in today's society? And how and and how it's been pre- so prevalent in how we see social media today. Um, hate society sucks. Um, you know, the, it, it's so weird how we see it now, uh, especially for those that, if you're following, um, Twitter right now in the wild west that Twitter is now with Elon Musk, his whole purpose to buy Twitter was to keep. The freedom of speech happening, and he felt freedom of speech was being threatened because people are being canceled for certain things, and he laid a bunch of people off, and he's thinking he's trying to do the right thing. Twitter's turned to an absolute like cesspool because the people that all the people laid off are people that helped try to make it right as well. Watch out for racist tropes and stuff like that. Even you see a lot of big advertisers pull out. So like on your feed, you would notice like off-brand. Like these, I'll call them off-brand advertisers. You know, this one person, like anime, something like that on my timeline on Twitter, which is like, what is happening? Why is that? And it's like, well, they're trying to target viewers at a certain age group in America. So they're look. he's looking overseas for people to, to uh, buy ads on there. You know, and people, the sites, the sites that utilize this firebrand, uh, view on a certain topic gets the most views. It just does. I mean, we've seen it. It's not, it shouldn't be a secret. Um, Alex Jones made an empire off building off hate. You have other guy that used to be on Fox News who runs the Blaze now. That's kind of based off hate as well. Um, you know, then you have a bunch of uh, these like, um, what are they, like these groups, the Proud Boys, Dawson, stuff, whatever. Like they have their own websites, they have things they look at, and they just, and there's no really no control again because people say it's freedom of speech, but it's not. But it's you know, there's a freedom of re- there's repercussions for what you say, and people don't tend to figure that out, and that's what sucks. Well, I think too, like, I start I started thinking about you know how how would we, how would society be different if you had to pay for this stuff, right? So. If I had to pay for Facebook, like if I if I could pay for ad an ad free version of Facebook, would I want it? And I think the answer is yes. If you could tell me that like I could have an ad free Facebook where I can determine what content I get to see and you ensure that it everything that's put in front of me is just like I think back to when Facebook came out, right? The allure and the attraction of Facebook was sharing photos with my friends, sharing the experiences I was having with friends who, the friends that were around me and the ones that weren't, being able to connect with family members, being able to reconnect with people I haven't talked to in a long time, just due to the tyranny of distance. Like it was a very pure thing. But like anything, it grew. And because it grew, it becomes more expensive. That means I got to buy servers. I've got to, 
buy more cybersecurity. I've got to hire people to help manage all this. Well, how do I make that money? Well, I got to sell ads because no one's if, if you're not willing to pay for it, if no one's willing to pay for it because they enjoy the fact that it's free, I have to sell ads. Well, how do I make sure people see these ads? Well, I need to develop an algorithm that makes it so that, you know, it can that can analyze what you look at and ensure that whatever you're looking at, I can attach an ad to. But what if I could have a free version of, I mean, what if I could have a version of Facebook that I, could, that I was willing to pay for? Like 10 bucks a month and it's completely ad free. And it's, you know, as you know, you determine the news that you see, you determine the, obviously we determine who we're friends with, but it's more, it gets more focused back to what it was because now if it's a pay, if it's pay to play, there's a steady, there's a steady flow of income coming to the company, which allows for it to grow. I wonder if, if all these things were free and free, uh, I mean, sorry, if all these things were pay, were, were pay to play and uh, you eliminate the influence of having of of ad of of ads driving your algorithms and what people see. Does that change? Does that change the cult like the cult like social media culture? Does it make it less inflammatory, right? Or does maybe it doesn't? Maybe you still have those guys that are your friends that still post the craziest comments about like societal issues. I don't know. Maybe those things still exist. I don't know. What are your thoughts? No, if like if like uh, if you're posting views that are inflammatory and stuff like that, um, yeah, I don't want that to see on my timeline. You could <laughs> it could go somewhere. You know, what I mean, like I my timelines, I try to keep it fun. You know, what I mean, I don't want to hear a bunch of garbage because anybody can post anything and people want to say it's true. So. Um, we've I've I've done that with a couple of people went to high school with. I just no, I'm not following you on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I'm not trying to see any of that. And uh, yeah, so there might be a, a level of science to where you say, well, because you're doing that, Mr. Locke, you're keep you're keeping yourself kind of sheltered. And I guess you might say that you know, you can say that, but the same sense, I'm not trying to hear certain very points. I know that I. I just won't agree with morally. Right. I won't agree with. Well, I just, I, I think about like the genesis of some of this stuff, right? So let's somebody posts on, for example, somebody might post on Facebook, like, you know, and in, 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 innocently enough, they say, I'm not sure about the COVID vaccine, or I'm not sure I'm ready to take the COVID vaccine yet. That's a fairly innocent statement. It's not pointing fingers at anybody. It's not saying I don't trust the government. I don't like. I don't trust the vaccine. It just it's it's a it's a it's a it's a innocent enough statement based on like either lack of information or just lack of comfort. I'm not sure I want to take the COVID. I'm sure not sure I want to take the COVID vaccine. Now, the way that the Facebook is now designed is the algorithm takes that, it sees that you have doubts about the vaccine, and it's going to start turning around content to you, and YouTube is the same way. It's going to start turning around content to you that um, is one way or the other, right? It's going to, you know, so it's like the algorithm senses you have doubts about it. So we're going to feed you all of the doubtful stuff that's out there. Like anyone that's questioning the, the validity of the vaccine, we're going to feed you that information, right? Um, based on those comments, because 
you know, your anxiety is going to force you to look at that stuff and we can sell ad space on top of it, right? YouTube's the same way. If I were to look up a video like what's in the vaccine or, you know, I have doubts about the vaccine, they're going to find other content on YouTube that is related to that subject matter um, so that because they know that it'll, it'll force me to view ads um, along the way. So now, like, I have to pay for, now let's say I have to pay for these items, right? Like, there's no option of a free YouTube. It's just you have to pay for YouTube. You have to pay for Facebook. If I post that comment, right, there's not necessarily an algorithm that's necessary now because I don't have to find a way to feed you, feed you ads anymore. So I make this comment. Maybe some people, you know, respond to it. Maybe they attach an article or something to it. But I'm, but as opposed to the system giving me misinformation or disinformation, I can look at the people who are sending me articles and based on those people can determine what's good and what's bad. Like my mom sends me an article. Okay, I can probably trust that article because she's a pretty level-headed woman. I, I know my mother. Crazy okay. John sent me an article. Well, I know Crazy John has some pretty outlandish viewpoints. I don't know if I trust this source. I'm going to throw that one away, right? That's the difference between, I think, a paid app and a unpaid app is that now because I'm forced to – I actually am part of the decision-making process based on the content put in front of me, whereas that's not the case right now because it's all about what the algorithm thinks is your opinion. If that makes sense. Yeah, I mean it makes sense. The I, I just paying an app, paying for an app, which that's where Elon is trying to go to with Twitter. Hey, get your mentions come up to the top faster, and this, that, whatever. I got hear you. They want you want to make it. If you want to pay for it, then so be it. I think there's just a level of world that I'm not going to do that. Like I like with Hulu. Like I have base Hulu, I'm not gonna pay for Hulu without ads. I I I could I'd rather deal with the ads than paying paying a little more to skip them because it doesn't bother me none. Or like YouTube Red, I'm not gonna pay for YouTube Red to avoid the ads. I'd rather wait for this five second ad to clear through, and I'll continue taking in the content that I'm looking at. You know, I'm not going to bypass stuff like that. And you're, the hard part about it is that for me with family members and if they send me stuff or people like that, it's like, yeah, I could trust, you know, Mr. Fig going to send me something on on Facebook. It's not, I'm a, yeah, Facebook, I'm not going to be like, man, this is wild. But at the same time, I think some, some of the stuff that's available on there. Facebook and Instagram and stuff like that needs to understand that they have a lot of fraudulent stuff on there and put a post on there, a warning that, hey, this isn't real. We can't verify this. If it's like a news article, if it's a picture or something, you don't need to verify some pictures. People could Photoshop anything nowadays. So it's just it's just tough. And taking in media, and just like we said way back in our earlier podcast, you know, just double check your sources, make sure you you're gonna believe what you're gonna believe, but double check your sources so you know, so you don't look stupid. All right, folks. Well, I think that is gonna conclude it for today. Uh, we have definitely hit an hour, and we've had some engaging conversation. 
uh, about a variety of topics. Uh, I think this is probably would have been one of our most all over the map podcasts between the midterms and movies and uh, social media. It's been a definitely been all over the map today. So hopefully you took something away from it. Um, you know, hopefully you know uh, you thought it was an interesting discussion. Um, but uh, that being said, uh, what do you got looking forward to this week, Mister Locke? Anything uh, exciting? This week I have to head up to uh, Maryland for work. Head up to Maryland for work for like two days. Um, other than that, I've got nothing else really. Getting ready for Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving's coming in, so I'm excited for it. It's gonna be great. I can't wait for some turkey. Good times with family. Uh, what you got going on? What you got going on? Uh, not much this week. It's uh this week that there's um you know work is gonna be pretty pretty busy. Um, this week we have a a big event going on with um one of our uh, uh outside organizations that's going to keep me in the office quite a bit. Um, but other than that. That's about it. Um, and then, of course, I, too, am excited about Thanksgiving. Uh, rain right around the corner. We are actually going to Maui um, for Thanksgiving, so we're pretty excited about that. Uh, we got a little Airbnb. I mean, flights to the other islands are super cheap. And then we got an Airbnb and a Turos waiting waiting for us. Uh, we've got reservations at a restaurant that's doing a Thanksgiving meal. So, um, yeah, we're pretty excited about, about Thanksgiving as well. So, um, other than that, that's about it, man. That's uh uh, just going to be another work week for us here in the in the Figueroa household. <laughs> nice, nice, very nice. Yep. All right. Well, everybody, I hope you enjoy your week. Um, stay safe. And with that, I'm Mr. Fig. I'm Mr. Locke. Y'all have a good week. Have a great day, guys.